0: everyone, and welcome to the After Review Podcast. My name is Shay Dougal, and with me this Thanksgiving Eve is Trenton Pughes.
1: And boy, am I fired
0: up to be here, and
1: not just because I am off work for the holidays.
0: I mean, you're off work for the holidays. I'm off work, Trenton, for basically two weeks. I have 13 straight days off beginning tomorrow, saved up all my paid time off, and I am going on a long possibly ill-deserved vacation uh so there I, we should say uh, right off the top there will be no show next week uh we will we'll probably be able to do a show uh the week of the uh the 10th i guess or the week of the 9th of december but uh, no show next week so I just wanted to put that out there right away so everyone knows that it's not coming
1: and i, I hear the collective hearts of all of our fans breaking and we we uh, send out our condolences in advance very sorry we love bringing the show to you every week but life happens man we don't get paid for this
0: yeah i got it and i got to use up the pto i can't just like yeah, sit around that's true I, it doesn't roll over
1: oh it doesn't oh my gosh that's well terrible.
0: no so, some of it does some of it does but not not a lot but not, you know not I mean? all
1: of it my goodness
0: that's, no pl- please if i could roll over all my pto i'd be I, I could take a whole year off at this point
1: yeah my business allows me to roll over all my pto that's crazy
0: wow huh. that is crazy that's awesome all right you know what else is awesome trenton yeah uh not well not this week of games Ah, uh this last no, week no, of games. it was it kind of bad. <laughs> I mean, there were a couple, there were a couple competitive ones, but even the competitive ones just felt kind of like, oh, like Lions, Redskins, or Giants, Bears, or I actually really enjoyed Seahawks, Eagles, that was fun. uh But Steelers, Bengals, oh, <laughs> and uh you know Cowboys, Patriots, oh, <laughs> just uh, just awful. And you know then there were the games like the Packers and the Forty ers and the Ravens and the Rams. And essentially, what this is going to come down to is that uh, a lot of these games were really boring. And we're not going to have a whole heck of a lot to talk about with some of them. So, happy Thanksgiving. Go spend it with your family. You know, listen to us while you're driving to go see them. And then uh, go spend the day with your family and stop thinking about football for a minute. Except for the three games that are on.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, two that are exactly the same as last year, by the way. Uh, Lions, Bears, and Saints, Falcons making a repeat performance. Yep.
0: And and (laughs) both games are not nearly as interesting as they maybe were last year.
1: Yeah, I don't know why NBC Sunday Night wanted Saints Falcons again. It was 31-17 last year, never really remotely competitive.
0: Well, if you recall, the Falcons defense was extremely unhealthy last year. Yeah. And uh and you know, we expected that they would kind of round back into form and and again, on this show, I thought they could be a dark horse NFC contender. Turned out not to be the case as we'll get to uh, certainly this week, but also uh, many other weeks this year.
1: I wonder if there's some some kind of rule about uh, – or, or if they're not allowed to, like, flex a different game into this spot because it would be, like, moving in, enti- uh, like, a couple of days for a team. Like, if they wanted think that's to move what a Sunday is. game to a Thursday game. I think they got stuck with this one. That must be what it is. How,
0: how about uh, Browns at Steelers on Thanksgiving? <laughs> Ooh, that would, be, that would be the gravy on top of the turkey, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Does yeah, it nice make, make you Let's... feel
1: fat and sick and, and slow?
0: I mean, watching the Steelers does make me feel fat, sick, and slow. They're the worst above 500 team since last year's Dolphins that started like 4-0 and for some reason. But it's the
1: Devlin Ooh. Hodges show now, man, and we predicted it, and it's happening.
0: Well, it's about freaking time. <laughs> Mason Rudolph is horrible in that game, yeah, and we'll talk terrible. about that game. We'll talk about that game, but first, we have other business to take care of. And that's the other games. Uh, Trenton, there was a game on Thursday, uh, one week ago, the uh, Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans. I somewhat infamously took the Texans, believing that the Colts are just too banged up and just do not have enough talent to win games like this. Close games in which uh, in, in which Deshaun Watson made all the plays that Jacoby Brissett did not.
1: That's definitely a fair point. Um, Brissett looked like he was still kind of shaky from the injury despite having actually played pretty well the week before his first game back from injury uh you saw like just a bit of rust I think he wasn't really on the same page as the receivers uh T.Y. Hilton didn't look particularly healthy his main and most reliable weapon Eric Ebron actually went down with injury and is now on IR after this game so the walking wounded continued to get more wounded for the Colts it's unfortunate uh Because they did actually get a pretty solid contribution from fill-in Jonathan Williams uh, over 100 yards and another touchdown for him. But it just wasn't quite enough. The Colts definitely stuck around. They played feisty defensively outside of a couple of big plays uh, allowed to Will Fuller and a couple of big plays allowed to DeAndre Hopkins, which, you know, there's no shame in that. Um, Kept it close and gave him an opportunity to win at the end. And a controversial call. Or non-call, uh, once again, marge the ending of a football game.
0: The officiating is something that I think we can talk about endlessly, not only yeah. this week but over the course of the entire season. It's I'm, I, the NFL has a huge officiating problem, and it's an easy way out in most cases. I feel like to just say, "Oh, they lost that game because the refs," but. Sure. The Colts. This was a game-winning drive in which a fumble was not called, and and the Colts were on it, and they were they recovered it, and it just it did not get reviewed. And I I just I don't know. I don't understand how the NFL can continue the can continue this practice of allowing this this malpractice of officiating to continue.
1: It's stunning to me that the NFL would allow something like this to pass without even having the the ref come out and give an explanation. Uh, It's under two minutes. It's everybody knows that means it's booth review time, which means it's completely on the refs to decide whether or not they're going to review a play like this and a potentially seismically game changing play like this, giving the Colts an opportunity with probably about a minute 20 left to drive down the field and score a field goal. uh, (laughs) If they did indeed recover, they didn't even come out and give an explanation. There was no mention of it. The Texans actually called a timeout after the play which means that the refs <laughs> still had even more time to potentially review this, and they didn't.
0: It was unbelievable. Anyway. I mean, it, it's, it's things like this that make the people with the tinfoil hats say, oh, there's an agenda, that the, the NFL is rigged, and they want certain teams to do well, and it feels as though the Texans, with that star power guy at quarterback, with that star power at wide receiver, I mean, I'm not going to say that the, that the game is rigged because that's probably just not true straight up. Yeah but but it gives people ammunition for things like that and it just it doesn't look good uh the colts are a running team you know they ran actually really well in this game right uh but that's not what the nfl wants now a couple other notes uh before we move on uh i i wrote down will fuller in all caps in my notes because he was really good in this game seven catches 140 yards some big catches in this game 51 yarder uh, it looked to be hurt after that catch, but fortunately for the Texans was not. And, of course, uh, DeAndre Hopkins was incredible, as per usual. Um, so uh, my other note was uh, the Colts are 6-5, and, five, and uh, I may have appeared to be on my way off the Colts bandwagon after, after the, uh, l- the previous week when I declared them dead and cast into oblivion. And uh, maybe they are in oblivion at this point, but they do have upcoming games against the Titans at home, the Buccaneers on the road, the Saints on the road, the Panthers at home, and then at the Jaguars uh, to close the season out. Those are four arguably winnable games heading down the stretch. And with the Saints, they're going to lock up the division here very shortly. Uh, so, I mean, who knows how much the Saints are going to be trying in week 15. Colts have a pretty easy stretch heading down the uh, the final stretch.
1: Yeah, certainly uh, your point with the Saints is well taken if uh, indeed they win this game and then go on to lose a couple while the Niners and uh, potentially the Seahawks, potentially the Packers, whoever is that second Vikings. seed separates, their, uh, separates them from the Pack. Uh, right now it is the Saints, but yeah, the Vikings are also a potential team that could slide into that slot. So that's the only scenario in which I could see the Saints kind of powering down if they feel like maybe they're not going to be in contention for a, a first-round buy. Uh, or maybe Alvin
0: Kamara isn't healthy, they rest him for that game or yeah. something like that, and the Colts play keep away. I can I can easily see a scenario in which the Colts win all five of these games, well, I mean, the- because it's the type of game they want to play against all five of these teams, none of whom are very good at stopping the run.
1: Well, I, I definitely argue that the Saints are quite good at stopping the run. They are the number four rush defense in the league. But... Uh... I digress, and what I was going to say uh, was, to your point, the other four games certainly are very winnable, and obviously the, the fifth game against the Saints, it's not like they're unbeatable or at home or, or in any place, because Falcons just beat them a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, I mean, anytime you get a team like this, with like the Colts, who have a, a solid identity and a good idea of what their identity is, they're always going to push teams to the limit, and uh, whether or not the dominoes fall remains to be seen, but... The fact is they are 6-5. and five. Uh, They have still a chance to get back in the AFC South race if the Texans stumble down the stretch, and they are also tied for the sixth seed in the wild card.
0: All right, shall we go ahead and move on here? Yep. All right, next game I've got is Dolphins at Browns. Browns come away with uh, – I mean, suddenly the Dolphins are terrible again, and the Browns <laughs> come away with a win that they should have had. They are now 5-6 and six in a 41-24 uh, disruption – of the Miami Dolphins. They were up 28-3 to at halftime. Nick Chubb had a really nice game. Jarvis Landry had a really nice game. Odell Beckham. Basically, the Stars came out to play for Cleveland. Kareem Hunt is really getting involved in this offense, yeah. and I think that's been a positive for Cleveland. Uh, basically, ever since he's joined the team, they've, they've been really good on offense.
1: Well, finally, this uh, Cleveland team starts fast, stays with their foot on the gas pedal for quite some time, puts up 28 points by halftime, uh, behind the strength of Baker Mayfield and his three touchdowns, finding his big weapons, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham. This is what everyone imagined this Browns team could be. As you mentioned, Kareem Hunt getting involved, Nick Chubb with his usual 100 yards, one touchdown, a five-yard average type of day. When this all comes together like this, and obviously this is against the Dolphins, it's not super talented, but you can see execution, and execution is regardless of opponent. If... If the Browns can get out of their own way, this is how good they can be. That's it.
0: That's pretty much my only note on this game. I didn't watch it because the Dolphins were in it, as per usual. (laughs) Do you want to move on? Let's do it. I mean, I I watched, you know, the Cleveland side of things just because it's important to cover teams that are probably going to make the playoffs at this point because their schedule down the stretch is easier than kicking a can down the road, but (laughs) –
1: yeah they do have an inside track uh because the Steelers are currently in that sixth wild card spot and they're playing the Steelers this week
0: should be a Sunday night game but it's not <laughs> anyway <laughs> who is
1: Sunday night I can't remember actually I no uh
0: idea. let's see it is the Patriots at the Texans I mean that's a pretty good matchup yeah. so that's that's fine yeah yeah that's I guess fine. if you like if you like boring offense <laughs> that's a good matchup <laughs> Uh well I mean boring Deirdre offense Hopkins on one side
1: versus Stephon Gilmore is probably must see TV that'll be fun ooh that,
0: that is a, that's a strong argument I like that all right next game uh the Lions and the Redskins two teams that are really bad uh finally Dwayne Haskins had a game where he didn't look completely lost although he was far from good in the game but but he he made a couple of plays and, and ultimately the Redskins come away with the win over the the uh, the just. The, the Lions of this this franchise, they're, they're just doomed to forever be just stuck in the doldrums. And, and Jeff Driscoll had a performance that was highly indicative of that. Three interceptions against a, a pretty mediocre, at best, Washington defense. What is going on in Detroit?
1: Well, I mean, again, this is a Washington defense, as I've highlighted several times, that has stretches of good play. And uh, against a player that doesn't have a ton of starting experience in the NFL like Jeff Driscoll, uh, there's some veterans in that secondary that will be able to take advantage of him. Uh, so the stat line's not too surprising. When you get young quarterbacks like this, they're going to have stinker-type games. Uh, we were praising Brandon Allen last week. He had a really bad game uh, this past week. Uh, we'll talk about that soon. But, I mean, obviously, uh, Kyle Allen kind of fell off a cliff after his first four starts. Uh, but then he's, now he's back in the driver's seat. You know, I mean, you can never really predict what's going to happen with these uh, kind of middling young quarterbacks. Uh, so I, I, I don't put this loss totally on Jeff Driscoll. Um, but overall, Put it on Matt Lions, Prater, who missed two field goals yeah. in this game. <laughs> I mean, Matt Prater certainly didn't help. Uh, overall, the, the Lions are dealing with a lot of injuries, especially on the offensive side of the ball, missing Stafford, missing on Johnson. I mean, every team's dealing with injuries, but those are two really tough uh, players to try to replace. Uh, on the other side, I, as you mentioned, Dwayne Haskins did look confident at times. I think the most um, encouraging stat line is actually a look at the receivers and see that the top two receivers are Kelvin Harmon and Terry McLaurin, uh, two rookies uh, that the Redskins found late in the draft are getting solid uh, time and putting up solid numbers. Uh, Terry McLaurin, obviously, all year, and Kelvin Harmon has come on lately.
0: Uh, so Terry McLaurin was also open for two touchdowns because they were showing it on uh, Red Zone, which I was watching that afternoon, right. and uh, and Dwayne Haskins totally just flew the ball over his head, it was terrible, because <laughs> I have Terry McLaurin on my fantasy team, and I know right. nobody cares about your fantasy team, and ultimately I, I didn't end up needing those points because I won my matchup pretty handily, but it was still annoying, because it's like, just get, just get him the ball, right. just get him the touchdown, right. he's good, real good.
1: Dwayne Haskins, I think, just needs to settle down and relax a little bit. You look at his college tape. He's extremely talented. He has a ton of arm talent. Uh, he's got really good fundamentals when he's actually on his game. But at this point, I think that, one, he needs to develop better work habits, and, two, I think he just needs to become more used to the pro game. Uh, he'll, he'll be fine. That's my opinion. Before
0: we move on, uh, any thoughts on Haskins taking the selfies with the fans at the end of the game? I'm sure you saw that story.
1: No thoughts at all. It's dumb. It's non-story.
0: I agree that's a non-story. I just I think it's just stupid. Yes, I don't really care. <laughs> I do. I wish he didn't do it. Yeah, but like, do I really care? Also, no. <laughs> All right.
1: I'm happy. I'm happy that he was having fun and, and that he cares about the fans. That, that's that's more than anything.
0: Raiders at Jets. Trenton. The Jets' <laughs> offense <laughs> is suddenly on fire. Le'Veon Bell is in the passing game. He's in the running game. Someone named Braxton Berrios is making long catches for like 70 (laughs) yards. Robbie Anderson uh, and Jamison Crowder's like not even involved. And Sam Darnold's on fire. And Derek Carr got benched in this game in the third quarter. They were just waving the white flag.
1: Yeah, total, total, total bedlam out here for the Mm wildcard contending Raiders. This was a nightmare scenario, and one that I think we maybe could have seen coming. Not necessarily the Derek Carr type of game.
0: Big-time look-ahead game with that Chiefs game looming large. Yes, next that,
1: that is that is definitely a part of it. I, I do think this was, maybe we didn't highlight it as a trap game, but definitely they didn't seem to be as focused as maybe they should have been. Uh, Josh Jacobs ran up against a very, very solid and underrated, by the way, rush defense for the Jets. They've been good all year against the run, uh, so... I mean, if Josh Jacobs isn't going, then maybe the receivers aren't getting their one-on-one looks as much. uh, The team, the Jets are able to drop back into coverage and confuse Carr a little more. Uh, So that's that's, that's what I've heard uh, from this game in talking to Raiders fans. And, you know, so overall, it just seems like a lot of different things kind of came to roost here uh, for the Raiders that really hadn't been up to this point. And I think this might just be a blip, so... Uh, uh, on the Raiders side.
0: I mean, it's never good to see utter destruction as a blip. I mean, do you have any more faith in the Raiders after losing this game cuz I don't. Do you have more faith in the Rams after getting even more utterly destroyed <laughs> on Monday night? I don't. I mean, this is the, these are the types of games that and John Gruden even said after the game like, you know, we're not we're not really ready to be that team that goes on a long winning streak and then goes deep into the playoffs. Like he basically admitted it. They're just really young, and they just have a lot of work to do still. Oh, sure. and They're six and five, and that they're a little ahead of schedule, but uh, there's still clearly work that needs to be done, and you can see that in games like this.
1: Well, I mean, I've never backed off my stance that the Raiders are going to finish eight and eight. So, I mean, they're completely on track to do that, uh, and pretty easily. A loss like this doesn't really surprise me, considering there are pieces on this team that can break down, and the things that are good about this team. Uh, I mean if if they're not there then I mean you look at the defensive side of the ball obviously they are very capable of giving up big plays they're very capable of allowing a a very talented quarterback like Sam Darnold to shred them and get into these negative game scripts where they have to get away from the run uh, and overall this game was basically lost by the time Carr was benched so I don't know I, th- I think you just. I mean, they were definitely waving off. the white flag at yeah. that
0: point. It was it was just kind of it wasn't like oh you're playing so bad it's time to bench you it's let's right. just get you, let's just get you out of here healthy right. All right, uh, New York Giants and Chicago Bears. This game was in Chicago, and Chicago does come away with that 19 to 14 win. Game not even as close as that final score. The Giants are terrible. <laughs> um, they are wasting Saquon Barkley's talent, and uh, and Pat Shermer is not long for this world as a head coach in New York. They, need, they, they have a lot of work to do this offseason. They, they really haven't fixed a lot of the problems that have continued to plague their team this year. Bad defense, bad quarterback play, bad offensive line, and really no receivers.
1: I really think Saquon Barkley's rushed back from his injury. He doesn't look like the same player. Uh, oh,
0: I don't know. He had this amazing spin move in this game, and then he did like another spin move to get a couple more yards. I don't know if you saw that one. I I, I don't. I don't think he looked terrible. I just think that they just have a lot of issues. And wait, you don't, you're not seeing Barkley. these
1: like huge explosive plays uh, on a consistent basis like you're used to, and especially in the passing game. He had two catches for one yard in this one. That's not the type of thing that you expect from Saquon Barkley. And he's not being that plus factor, that superstar-type player that you expect from uh, from him. And I'm not saying it's all on him by any stretch of the imagination. You shouldn't build your team around one superstar running back. Just ask the Panthers. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, this is a young team as well. And it's a young team that has a couple of pieces that I think you can hold over and a lot of pieces that I think you could very easily jettison and like you said, Pat Shermer, not long for this world as an NFL head coach. Uh, <laughs> not not to say he's going to die or anything, but, uh, yeah, just not long for the job.
0: <laughs> I don't know. The, the Giants fans can be brutal.
1: <laughs> that's fair enough. Uh, on the bear uh, side. Let's not joke about that, though. On the bear uh, yeah, side. Yeah, on
0: the bear side. Trubisky was terrible. Let's yes. start there.
1: Uh, you can pretty much end there. Allen Robinson was good. So that's good. He's having a pretty good year.
0: I mean the line doesn't look bad for Trubisky, and yes, he played better. You know he passed for more yards, his completion percentage was better, he ran for a touchdown. But like, big deal. You know I'm I'm so over it at this point. You put up 19 points against the Giants' defense, a defense that is just totally gashed week after week, has not come together whatsoever. At home, it's just it's just bad. It's just bad to. It's not fun to watch. And I really, when it comes on red zone, I take that moment to uh, grind a little bit more in uh, Pokemon shield which i just picked up for the nintendo switch
1: nice yeah aaron's actually been playing it here like constantly so I- i've seen quite a bit of it
0: how does he like it
1: he seems to really have fun with it uh he's always like pokemon games so uh, you know it's not too surprising because it does have a lot of that classic formula uh, i c- i can't stop making fun of the dynamax function because it's just ridiculous in every possible it's line. so
0: <laughs> stupid but i kind of like it <laughs>
1: i get that but but my biggest criticism among many 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 criticisms is why why don't the pokemon like walk up to each other and why don't they play up like the godzilla monster fighting aspect of it oh, if they're that gonna would be huge, awesome you know
0: they should do that it, that's that's cool it's i like that idea anyway <laughs> that's more interesting than this game let's move on <laughs> well, uh, little try bit of video the, the
1: game nick- talk here on after review a, a first <laughs>
0: The, uh, yeah, if you want more Pokemon talk, check out my other podcast, The Bombers, uh, where we talk about Pokemon and other things. Uh, no sports talk on that show. They've banned me from talking about sports. That was part of the, that was part of, like, the initial draft of this thing. It's like, you know, we're, we'll do this show with you, but you can't talk about sports. So this is where I have to get it all out. Nice. But sometimes the video game stuff leaks over.
1: <laughs> and that's all right. We're, we're a free-flowing show. We, we, we go where the show takes us.
0: All right, speaking of free-flowing games that go where the, the teams take them, I don't know, I'm trying to <laughs> set up a metaphor, it's not working. How about Panthers at Saints, Trenton? A 34-31 to win for the Saints, a game that got a little too close for comfort, a little too much drama at the end maybe, but really the Saints were largely in control of it, I think. Uh, yeah. And I'll let you go on this a little bit. You mentioned Kyle Allen earlier had probably one of his better games of the year. Uh, to me, Drew Brees still has got it as a quarterback. I, I, I don't buy this, this narrative that he's maybe he's lost some arm strength, but he's as accurate as ever, and you saw it a lot in this game. Played really well, and ultimately the Saints come away with the win. That's all they needed.
1: Yeah, and I'll, I'll paint you a picture here if you didn't actually see the game. one One thing that's really big for Saints fans is finally the Saints broke the drought. They scored a touchdown on their first drive, which they had not been able to do all year. Uh, Latavius That's such Murray. a weird stat. Yeah, it is really weird. Latavius Murray from 26 yards out, by the way. So who would have predicted that? Anyway, uh, so the Saints get off to that fast start that, that's been kind of eluding them for a while. Before you can blink, four, it's 14 to nothing, but, uh, the Panthers would not go away. They would not, uh, give in so easily. Kyle Allen with a beautiful, beautiful, I believe it was a 51-yard touchdown pass out through the entire Saints defense, uh, hitting D.J. Moore in stride, and yeah, basically by that point, the shootout was kind of on. Uh, you could see that Kyle Allen, uh, Christian McCaffrey, the Panthers' offense wasn't going to be completely stymied by the Saints' defense on this day. Uh, they were finding a lot of success targeting P.J. Williams, who is uh, filling in on the outside for Marshawn Lattimore. He played pretty well against the Bucks last week, but some of his more ugly um, tendencies showed up in this game. Uh, bid on some double moves, kind of watch the quarterback instead of um, staying with the receiver. So that's something that I think the Saints, they really want to get Marshawn Lattimore back because they do lack depth in that outside corner position. Um, Other than that, this was just a situation in which both teams really wanted to win, and the Saints, while they are definitely the more talented team, probably made a few more mistakes than the Panthers and allowed them to have a chance and kyle allen certainly with a bounce back game dj moore deserves a lot of credit because he had a really good game even out or i mean not just that 51 yard touchdown pass but also in the red zone constantly over the field he was running great routes making tough catches all over the place
0: you want to talk about a wide receiver who had a great game how about a michael thomas oh yeah L- little uh shay love for michael thomas again <laughs> for like the eighth straight week on this show. 104 receptions in 11 in 11 games so far. Trenton right. 1200 or 1200 yards. He's gonna break the record. He's gonna break the record. Maybe for most yards in a season too. Uh, this guy's unbelievable. It's Such a good pairing with Drew Brees.
1: Yeah, uh, he's on track.
0: To, he's on track to break it.
1: I mean, look at, look at this. Uh, five straight games here with over 100 yards for Michael Thomas and counting. It's crazy. It's crazy because every single week people know that it's going to Michael Thomas because, I mean, the next closest receiver, wide receiver for the Saints in this game was Ted Ginn with two catches for 38 yards on only five targets. It's just, Michael Thomas is it. Outside of that, it's um, Alvin Kamara, and lately it's been Jared Cook who has gotten more involved in the offense. Really good game here.
0: Yeah, Alvin Kamara hasn't looked right to me since that injury. And, you know, he's, maybe he's getting at back, the but
1: he's not quite there, yeah.
0: Yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about my fav- maybe my favorite game of the day, to be honest with you, was Seahawks at Eagles, and the Seahawks come away with a 17-9 to win. I mean, you'd like defensive football. This was the game for you because suddenly the Eagles defense is playing like one of the best defenses in the NFL. Who saw that coming? <laughs> but at the same time, the Seahawks have an MVP candidate potentially in Russell Wilson who – didn't really play that well in this game, and he's had a couple of these games where he was. He's been his impact has sort of been mitigated by, by really good defenses, but uh, ultimately, they just did enough, they ran the ball well enough. The Eagles are so banged up. I mean, I don't even know half of their offensive roster at this point, and I'm a, I'm a diehard Eagles fan as of like a year ago, <laughs> so I, I don't even know who's on the team anymore, right? It's bad, it's real bad.
1: Yeah, they are very much struggling to find answers, especially in that receiving core. Uh, Zach Ertz paced the receivers, or well, the, the receiving options for Carson Wentz with 12 catches. Uh, next closest was seven catches. That was Dallas Goddard. So it's pretty much a tight end driven offense. And because of that, I mean, maybe you can move the chains. Maybe you can go on long drives like we've seen the Eagles are able to do. But you're not going to get huge explosive plays from these guys and that's been a big problem for the eagles because even when they sustain drives they're not super effective in the red zone they don't have a great running game to lean back on uh so overall it's been a struggle uh, quite a struggle for this eagles offense to get off the ground but like you said the defense is starting to hold up their end of the bargain uh six sacks and 11 qb hits in this game finally the uh I think that's the most they've ever
0: been able to hit Russell Wilson because I always hated when the Eagles would play the Seahawks because it felt like Russell Wilson was always just slipping out of defenders just out of their grasp and then firing it downfield where Tyler Lockett would inevitably catch uh, (laughs) one of his two targets for the entire game for like 75 yards and a touchdown. By the way, uh, Tyler Lockett did nothing in this game.
1: One catch, 38 yards on two targets. It wasn't quite your 75 and a touchdown, but
0: But it is the same type (laughs) of line. Anyway, Uh, but, but yeah, so that was always frustrating, but I mean, I have no reason to be concerned if I'm this, if I'm the Seahawks team, because they continue to win games in different ways and they're running the ball and they're protecting Wilson, uh, relatively well, uh, could, could be better, but, uh, but ultimately they have, they have better weapons and their defense continues to improve and, and playing games like this against teams that are as injured as the Eagles are, uh, can only help their mindset going forward.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that's certainly the sunny disposition kind of way to look at it. I mean, the opposite side of of things is that they... I like
0: the Seahawks. I know you don't as much. No, and I understand that.
1: And I'm not saying I don't like the Seahawks, but I do remember their losses. And they have not looked good in their losses. Uh, So ultimately, you see see the holes, you see the cracks. And if you want to look at them from the perspective that, yeah, the defense is improving, but there's also the possibility that Russell Wilson has a game like this and let's say Rashad Penny doesn't explode. They basically have no offensive production and maybe they lose this game. So I, I think that if you get into a game like this against a team, which is as fundamentally broken at times as the Eagles have been, it has to be a cause for concern going forward because this is a, a the type of game that could crop up in the playoffs. Uh, but that, that's the really negative way to see it. So we're just giving you both sides.
0: True or false, the Eagles season is over and the fans should pack up and go home. True. Interesting. For I would say I would say false, but I think that's just because their schedule is real easy coming down the stretch here. Uh, just to go ahead and read it off here, the, the upcoming games for them. They get they get the Dolphins, they get the Giants, they get the Redskins, they get the Cowboys, and they get the Giants. Right. I mean it's hard to to have much <laughs> yeah. more I mean, that's four games in division and there's they're five and six. Right. I mean, if they win those games, especially if they beat the Cowboys, I mean, I think there's a very realistic shot. They make the playoffs and then early, you know, wild-card exit against a team I mean, like even the Vikings even if or Packers are a way better team.
1: Yeah, even if they make the playoffs, it's not going to be uh, – they're not going to be relevant in the playoffs. They're, so. Yeah,
0: they're going to have to play the Seahawks, 49ers, Vikings, or uh, Packers, and that's not a good matchup in any of those, really. Right. All right. Uh, next game, let's talk about the Buccaneers and the Falcons – Uh, Jameis Winston had hilariously two interceptions in this game, but also played well at times. Uh, did have the three touchdowns and Chris Godwin is a, is a monster and the Falcons, uh, suddenly their defense didn't play well. Suddenly their offense didn't really play well. And, uh, there you go. That's the story of the Falcons all year, super inconsistent and, uh, just really not, not a great day.
1: Yeah, there was a, pretty solid lack of discipline here in the play calling on the on the Falcons side and it caused them to constantly give the ball back to the Buccaneers who were able to kind of move the ball at will basically through Chris Godwin but also through Ronald Jones to a lesser extent Peyton Barber Uh, you could see a lot more balance in the play calling on the Buccaneers side which you know it's interesting because we don't usually see great decision making or great fundamentals or discipline from the Bucs but I think they were certainly the better coach team in this one
0: well they have a better head coach yeah how about that
1: that's true but it hasn't always shown up that that's that's my main point
0: it's good to see it show up (laughs) anything anything else on that i got nothing i have no notes except chris godwin
1: no there's there's really not a lot uh to say because i mean the falcons are capable of this anytime but they're also capable of looking as good as they had against the saints and the and the panthers because they're talented so who who knows who's going to show up on thanksgiving yep
0: I know who's going to show up on Thanksgiving. The team that just lost 35-22 to 22 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> and the Saints looking for revenge against a team that totally embarrassed them a couple weeks ago. I mean, come on. This is like the easiest gut pick in the world. I'm, I'll tell oh, you now, yeah. I'm taking the Saints.
1: Of, of course of course, you're taking the Saints for all of the intangible as well as the tangible reasons. Uh, but I, I really want to see it. As, as a Saints fan, I really need to see it. So,
0: All right. Denver at Buffalo this game Trenton was about as bad of an offensive showing as you can see in the NFL now I mean they basically had did they have did they have 150 yards in this game I don't know that they did I'd have to do some quick math on this because I'm just like looking it. at the numbers I don't think that they had 150 yards of offense in this game and uh, Josh Allen oh man <laughs> Josh Allen, maybe with one of his better games as a pro, uh, he's continuing yeah. to grow, it feels like, and and the, the Buffalo Bills offense was able to consistently run the ball, which was a big part of this game, playing keep away from the Broncos, which they didn't really need to do, but ultimately Josh Allen prevailing in the battle of the Allens at quarterback.
1: Well, I mean, we put an asterisk on last week's performance for Josh Allen because he was playing against Miami. Uh, he had his best game as a pro at that point. Uh, This is a good defense, though, and we know that. And that's the whole thing. Uh, This is a a defense that has been rated in the top five in in DVOA basically all year. Uh, It's a Vic Fangio-led defense with some really solid players top to bottom. And Josh Allen continues to show quite a bit of professional growth to the point where you may almost believe that he might show something in the playoffs. I mean, especially if the Buffalo Bills defense can be as dominant as it has been at times this year. Uh, This is a team that could upset someone.
0: Well, it's very easy to get caught up, I think, in the Lamar Jackson hype train right now because that's sort of just where everyone's mind is. But I feel like the Josh Allen's growth is is being downplayed a little bit because of that. I right. mean, he's a quarterback who was relatively reckless with the football last year and, and has fumbling problems and, and qu- questionable decision-makings at times. He threw his first interception in something like 200 passes in this game. He's really improved his decision-making this year kind of quietly, and nobody's really noticed because the Buffalo Bills are – the quietest eight and three team since the new Orleans saints in like 2011. (laughs) Uh, It's just, it's just really, it's just kind of all happening behind the scenes. And yes, they haven't beaten a lot of great teams, but you can only beat who you play. And I do still have confidence that the bills can beat some good teams going forward. And they're going to have to, because their schedule is pretty tough.
1: (laughs) Yep. Starting uh, tomorrow. In fact, against the Cowboys, they have a a good opportunity to showcase their growth to a national audience.
0: I mean, this is kind of redundant because the second Thanksgiving game with the Cowboys is historically the most watched uh, football game of the season that's a non-playoff game. Um, but let's circle this game, Trenton. The Bills and the Cowboys, that's an important game for both of these it's teams, important. I think. I, I don't for the Cowboys, know if
1: it'll be entertaining, but it's certainly important.
0: Oh, I think it'll be massively <laughs> entertaining. I'm actually, this, I mean, this is the we'll best see. Thanksgiving matchup it feels like we've had in a while. I don't know.
1: It's an interesting matchup, but I could see it going boring because I—I I mean, maybe the Cowboys' offense gets stymied by the Bills' defense, or maybe neither team is particularly executing well. I could see something like that happening, or I could see it being a shootout. So we'll see.
0: One man's trash is another man's treasure. Give me Josh Allen and John Brown all the time, every day.
1: Uh, I love John Brown this year. He's so good.
0: I do too. I'm playing against him in fantasy though, so it would be really cool if uh, if they could just, you know, kind of take him out of the game.
1: By the way, credit to Eric for being so much on the Lamar Jackson hype train in the offseason. But well, Eric,
0: No, no, no. We'll get to that. We'll get to it. But, we'll get to it. Hang
1: on. But Eric, and and that's why I'm mentioning this now. You
0: are very, very wrong
1: about John Brown. John Brown's mm. awesome.
0: Eric's wrong about a lot of things. He's right about a lot of things. But he's also wrong about a lot of things.
1: He's you, definitely right about the death of Philip Rivers.
0: <laughs> Ooh. man. Yeah, that, yeah, he was. <laughs> go go ahead and give him credit on that one. All right. Yep. Next game, and I've got really not a lot on this one either because it was another one of those between teams I don't care about. Uh, the Steelers, who we have already cast into oblivion, and the Cincinnati Bengals, who at 0-11, are uh, not in oblivion, but that's only because I'm interested in in what the heck they think they're doing with their quarterback situation. Uh, The Bengals did announce this week that uh, what is happening? Sorry. Just some sound going on in the background there.
1: (laughs) Sorry about that.
0: Looking at videos while I'm talking? All right. No, no, Um, no.
1: I I had the Celtics game on my phone, but I didn't. Oh, come on. (laughs) I'm sorry. What's the score? It's uh, 44-all Celtics-Nets at Boston they're playing so many away. close games constantly uh, currently well that,
0: that's just the that's the kind of team they are they're, they're built to win a little bit with defense that mean if kemba walker's not healthy they're not shooting the lights out necessarily so i could but i i still think they're a good team they're very well coached
1: they're the bills of the
0: nba Ooh, that's good i like that <laughs> and i'll make right. them easy to root for Back all right Steelers Bengals uh I was, saying, I was interested in uh, what they are uh, – I'm glad, actually. I was going to edit that out, and now that we had an actual discussion, I don't have to. All right, Steelers at Bengals, and uh, I'm interested to see what the heck the Bengals think they're doing with the quarterback situation. Ryan Finley uh, was, was taken off the bench to start uh, replacing Andy Dalton, and then all of a sudden after this game they've announced they are returning to Andy Dalton for the final five games of the season, presumably – why? I don't know. Uh, the Bengals are an incompetent organization in my mind, and they, they absolutely deserve the number one draft pick they're going to get, and they will end up with the quarterback they want, Joe Burrow, and they can, they can go ahead and ruin his career at that point.
1: Well, I mean, there's a couple of sides of this argument. One, Ryan Finley played really, really, really poorly against the Ravens. Uh, and and overall, the Steelers. Yeah, and overall he hasn't played great. But in this game, I don't think he was the reason they lost.
0: Uh, no, no, they lost because yeah. they're horrible.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, they have talent deficiency, uh, and they can't beat a, a similarly talent-deficient Steelers offense.
0: I mean, Benny uh, Snell ran for 100 yards <laughs> in this game. What's going on since now? Your defense is just – I mean, yeah. Devlin Hodges and Mason Rudolph combined to complete like 50% of their passes, and both were really not that great. But uh, Mason Rudolph also benched, by the way, uh, in favor of Devlin Hodges, finally.
1: Yeah. We were calling for that to happen, calling for Rudolph's head. uh Apparently, so was Miles Garrett. No pun listening. intended.
0: <laughs> Miles Garrett must listen to the show.
1: <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, not too much to say about this game. This is a uh, a Bengals organization that's or a Bengals team that's going nowhere this year, very fast. And I'm very concerned about their rebuild because, unlike the the Miami Dolphins, they haven't completely sold in on the tank. They haven't been trading away all their pieces to pick up draft picks. Uh, so if they do, in fact, draft Joe Burrow, I'm worried about the team they surround him with.
0: I mean, that's kind of what makes this whole thing so astounding is that they're not even trying to tank. Like, they're actively trying to win games. They don't trade away their talented players like A.J. Green when they definitely had opportunities to do so. Right? They had an opportunity to trade guys like Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, uh, Tyler Eifert. You know, I mean, they they probably could have gotten something for these guys, and yet they continue to be on the roster. A.J. Green isn't even playing. Yeah. I mean... And he clearly doesn't I mean, you want could, to. Well, I mean, it's it's the Carson Palmer effect. I mean, you go to Cincinnati, and that's where your career goes to die. Just took A.J. Green a while to realize it. Yeah. Any takeaways from the Steelers' side of things here? Defense continues to be really, really good. Getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a defense that now uh, – Going into this season, I believe it was three years in a row the sack leader uh, of teams in the NFL. Uh, so that's been their calling card. They sack team or they sack quarterbacks very, very consistently. The difference with this Steelers team is that their secondary is actually really good, and that starts with Mika Fitzpatrick. And then also they brought in some more talent. Had another
0: takeaway in this game too, by the way.
1: There you go. Uh, Bud Dupree, by the way, is having a career year in his contract year. So that's another difference.
0: For some reason, uh, Google has Bud Dupree listed as Alvin Dupree. He, he, Did you know that was yeah. his first name?
1: Yes, he, he was Alvin Dupree going into the draft process, but I think he became Bud in the draft process.
0: I mean, he got some Buds <laughs> and, you know.
1: I, I first knew him as Alvin Dupree, but, but yeah, you hear Bud Dupree about a thousand times, it gets nailed into your head.
0: I feel like Alvin Dupree is like a deep cut. You know what I mean? Like if you <laughs> like if a commentator were to refer to him as Alvin Dupree, people would be like, "What? What is going on?"
1: Yeah, <laughs> they, they they get like mean tweets. I think
0: <laughs> probably. <laughs> All right, uh, next game. Let's do uh, Jags at Titans. Um, I, I didn't to? really. Well, I mean, I I gotta be honest with you. I didn't pay much attention to this game. It, it's sort of. I mean, it was, it was competitive in the sense that the game was close at halftime, and then the Titans just went on a roll. Derrick Henry got rolling again, and it seems like teams have no goodness. way to stop him. I remember a couple of years ago, I was just screaming at the Titans, like, why doesn't Derrick Henry get the ball more? And now he's getting it more, and it's working, and they should just do this all the time. And Ryan Tannehill has revitalized his career yep. uh, in a relatively competent organization with a, with a relatively good coach, and it's kind of exciting on some level to watch the Titans play.
1: I mean, the, the whole, this whole Titans team has a completely different feel. I'm not saying necessarily that they're going to show up week in and week out, but there is they so won't. much more explosive potential with this Titans team, with Ryan Tannehill in the driver's seat, finding young guys like A.J. Brown and giving them uh, opportunities to shine. There's a lot of talent on this Titans offense, and uh, the Titans defense has been playing good all year. Uh, they've just been waiting for the offense to hold up their end of the bargain. If Derrick Henry can keep playing well, if Ryan Tannehill can keep playing well, this Titans team could make a run at the AFC South. They could also make a run Mm -hmm. at the Wild Card.
0: I think they're probably still the third best team in that division, but I, I think that they're not far off. Like and how weird is it that we're saying that Ryan Tannehill is the spark that kind of (laughs) lit the fire under the tie? What is going on? Like I I feel like I'm living in the bizarro world with some of these teams this year. Yeah, and uh, I really have nothing on the Jags. They're just really not very good. They have problems all over their offense. The offensive line hasn't played particularly well, um, and and Nick Foles has suffered because of it. He needs a good offensive line to be productive, and the defense is just not the same that it was a couple years ago. They took all those risks. It, it, two two seasons ago and they paid off and they're just not paying off anymore. Only one sack in this game. Goodbye, Saxonville.
1: Yep. The rushing defense especially, which had always been a problem, is just completely highlighted now, now that the sacks aren't coming, now that teams aren't getting forced into negative game scripts due to their own mistakes. Uh, yeah. I mean, teams are able to run. They're able to just uh, play keep away with this uh, Jags offense and batter this Jags defense.
0: All right, Cowboys at Patriots, Trenton. Uh, this game we talked about heavily prior to the show starting, and I don't know how much we want to go into it necessarily. Like We were kind of getting into it a little bit because we disagreed uh, primarily on a couple of things, and the first thing was whether or not the Cowboys should have gone for it on fourth and seven with about six minutes to go in this game trailing six to 13. Uh, they chose to kick the field goal. They made the field goal, and then they had another opportunity at the end of the game to go down and, and drive for a touchdown in a driving rainstorm, mind you, in Foxboro. Um, so we disagreed on that. And then we also disagreed on whether or not the tripping call, the bog- it is a bogus tripping call. And by the way, why is tripping all of a sudden getting called uh, 100 <laughs> times a week? Um, but a bogus tripping call that, uh, that set the Cowboys back and then eventually they, they did not convert on a fourth down on that drive. What do you want to talk about with this game, Trenton? Because I feel like there's many angles you can you can go with.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's talk about that fourth and seven because I know you had some strong feelings about it, and you had some good arguments.
0: Well, my argument was just that it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to kick the field goal in that situation just because it was the first time they had really ventured deep into Patriots territory. It's the end of the game. The Patriots offense really hadn't done anything all day. They weren't about to do anything all day. I mean, at the end of the game either because they just hadn't played well. Right. The Cowboys defense is good enough to make stops. I just felt as though that was the chance you needed to take. Go tie the game and then just try to just get to overtime. I know that it's not technically playing to win doing that but literally the analytics say that your percentage chance of winning the game decreased after kicking that field goal
1: yeah and it's interesting the analytics should say that considering the fact that it comes down to one play and it comes down to one play relying on an offense which hadn't been particularly effective uh, um Throughout the day, despite the fact that it is the number one offense in the NFL coming into today, they're they're playing against the number one defense, as you mentioned, in a driving rainstorm. If you bring it down to one play, a fourth and seven, mind you, there's a very low percentage in my mind and in my experience watching football that that play is going to result in a first down. And if it doesn't, I think it completely deflates the team. You kick yourself a field goal. Now you have an opportunity. I mean, there's six minutes left in the game, so you're probably going to get at least one more possession, maybe a couple Which more possessions, did, depending on to be fair. how the, how it plays out. Uh, you'll get the ball back. You'll get an opportunity. And if your defense comes up with a stop, you're going to be able to win the game with a touchdown now uh, with a lot more uh, plays uh, with a run game and the pass game in, uh, in possibility I just think putting it down to one play usually isn't the right call, and especially in a very low-percentage situation like a fourth and seven.
0: But if they had to get the touchdown anyway, then why not just go for it? Because you'd still have the Patriots backed up, you'd still get the opportunity to make a stop, and then go get the touchdown anyway on the next possession.
1: My whole point is bringing it down to one possession as opposed to bringing it down to one play. Uh, I I think that if they don't make that... um, If they don't make that first down, the Patriots probably go down and score, uh, at least a field goal. That's just my mindset, uh, and from what I understand about the Cowboys and uh, their defense. what you understand about the Patriots, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, and the Patriots as well. Now, like you said, the Patriots weren't super effective throughout the day, but what was really effective was Julian Edelman, and I think that potentially he could have made some plays, Uh, but... I mean, we saw how it played out. We saw the Cowboys' defense was able to come up with stops, and they did get an opportunity to go drive down the field and score a touchdown. Uh, So ultimately, it worked out in that way. Uh, They just weren't able to complete it.
0: Apart from the made field goals, a lot of problems from the Cowboys' special teams in this game had a punt blocked, and after the game, uh, uh, Jerry Jones did criticize the special teams' coaching, and the coaching really in general It was sort of an indictment. And uh, to me... And again, we talked about this before the show, Trenton, but just to illuminate our our listeners, neither of us think that Jason Garrett is going to be the coach uh, at the end of this season, for better or for worse. In my case, probably for better. In your case, you probably view it as for worse, that he's not going to be the head coach. But we can agree that he's probably not going to be, right?
1: Well, I mean, it would take quite a bit i think it would take at least making the nfc championship game for garrett to keep his job at this point uh because i think jerry jones feels like he's paid enough out of pocket he's loaded up this roster enough and he's been patient enough with garrett uh putting this team together uh, that he feels like this is the year that it should all come to fruition and and they should make a deep playoff run i think he's sick of waiting and he's sick of seeing these great teams wasted which um in the Jason Garrett era I think there's been at least a few teams that have had potential to make deep playoff runs and they just haven't for one reason or another mostly it's been running up against uh Juggernaut Aaron Rodgers Packers teams but
0: and bogus <laughs> catch rules
1: yeah yeah I mean that too and there were a lot of other plays in that game that were you know uh, one one thing goes differently I mean Jared Cook catching a pass on what is it 3rd and 31 for 33 yards and that was bad Jared Cook that was before Jared Cook had his good season with the Raiders so I mean we, we, we can talk about Cowboys history all day all night um, and especially their constant playoff
0: gaffes uh, I mean in you, you can't I, I don't really get as much joy in the Cowboys <laughs> failures as I used to and I've, I've kind of been coming around on the Cowboys basically since near the end of Tony Romo's career where I started to appreciate him as a quarterback right um, so I mean I, I don't know I find it I find it difficult to hate the Cowboys as much as people do, but I, it's it's hard to like them, too, when they continuously shoot themselves in the foot when they have these talented rosters, and it's just like they feel almost Chargers-esque at times because of that.
1: Overall, I think that coming away from this game, I think it's really strange that this is the huge alarm bell, that losing in Foxborough in driving rain against this number one defense against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, that suddenly... Uh, I mean, smash glass in case of emergency. Oh my gosh, Jason Garrett has to go because he can't win this game. That just I seems think when you
0: juxtapose I, I I think when you juxtapose great to good, Bill Belichick to Jason Garrett, sure. it can make good look really bad. Yeah, I, I I think that's I think that's kind of why the Cowboys don't play the Patriots that often. You know what I mean? Like they don't they don't get right. these opportunities to go up Once against clearly tournament. better better prepared, better coached defenses. And, and not really offenses, but in this case, defenses. Uh, so it's just, I don't know. I, I just feel like this isn't the alarm bell that's saying, because people have been saying, Eric, friend of the show, uh, former co-host Eric Fernandez has said they need to fire Jason Garrett. Like every single day, it feels like we're talking about Jason Garrett with this dude. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I just, I don't think this is the alarm bell. I just think this is symptomatic of what we've seen over the past couple of years. And I don't think frankly, we should talk about it anymore. <laughs>
1: Well, one, one final thought, because you did mention okay. the better or worse thing uh, as far as um, Garrett not being the coach anymore. And the only reason that I would say yeah. that it's worse is because, I mean, what is behind door number two? I mean, it, potentially it's Sean McVay, but potentially Matt it's, Patricia. Yeah, potentially it's Matt and Patricia. Potentially it's uh, Zach Taylor so far. There's so many coaches around the NFL. Uh, my goodness, what if it's a Steve Wilkes? You know? <laughs> you can swing, you can swing and miss hard with head coaches changing a head coach doesn't suddenly mean that your team is going to be great and we know as we've seen from Jason Garrett throughout the Jason Garrett era for the Cowboys they're always competitive they're always at least 500 probably above outside of one terribly Tony Romo injury riddled season they're contenders and Ultimately, I think as, as a fan base, you get a little complacent with being contenders because you're not a fan of, of a team that's constantly mired in 4-12, and 5-11 seasons despite how many top draft picks they have. They keep screwing it up. The Cowboys have had it good for a while. <laughs>
0: I think that uh, I think that it's underrated to be a fan of a team that's consistently good and consistently gives you hope. Yeah, they break your heart, but isn't it you know isn't a not an eleven and five a ten and six season? Isn't that kind of fun along the way? Like, oh, can't yeah. we take any pleasure in this? I don't know. Like, why is why does winning a Super Bowl have to be the only thing that matters? And I say that because I'm an Eagles. Uh, <laughs> I used to be an Eagles fan, and, and that was something that I had to deal with on a. Uh, you know yearly basis and we're not
1: invalidating the frustration of Cowboys fans and we're not invalidating the fact that the Cowboys should be better than they are right now they should so all right that's my final word on it
0: okay that's enough of that all right Fortunately, we don't have anything on these two games uh, except for just talking about how bad the teams uh, that lost looked. The Sunday night game, probably one of the most anticipated matchups of the year, turned out to be one big dud as the 49ers just absolutely crushed the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Get off my desk, you stupid cat. Trenton, talk about this game.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, is this basically not just the repeat of the Packers' trip to L.A. to face the Chargers? Uh, it, it's or the a, packers
0: game against the eagles it's got all the same
1: season. it's got all the same kind of ingredients it, it's uh, suddenly aaron rodgers doesn't have his hero ball uh, he doesn't have i mean his receivers making great plays the running game isn't present at all uh, they get into negative game scripts they I, th- that's the whole thing th- this this offense can break, and when it breaks, it breaks spectacularly. That's just what you have to deal with when you're looking at. The they Packers. are a soft
0: team, in my yes. mind. Like when I, when I, would I watch the Packers, I think that they are soft and they are finesse. And the 49ers push them around, and the Chargers push them around, and the Eagles push them around. And they're eight and three. And the teams they've beaten, they've been able to push around, uh, right. or at least at least get around. You know what I mean? Uh, but this, it's just not a good matchup. And the. I don't trust teams like the Packers, and I'm, I've, I've totally fallen off their bandwagon after the past couple of games against the Chargers and 49ers because I just don't buy it going forward. This is not a sustainable formula for winning games. Your, your offense needs to be tougher, and your defense needs to be better.
1: Yep, that's absolutely true. On the other side, the 49ers deserve all the credit in the world, especially after um, playing some really close games in the last couple of weeks and losing uh, against the Seahawks just coming out and completely dominating on a national stage against a team they, that people felt like would give them a run for their money. Uh, in every phase, the running game was really solid. Uh, not amazing by any stretch, but 5.1 average and two touchdowns for the running game. Garoppolo was They just didn't fishing. need to do a lot. Yeah. I mean, the defense got after Aaron Rodgers like crazy, and the pass defense for the 49ers is just incredible. So, you know.
0: There you go. Yeah. That's
1: it. I wax poetic for the 49ers. I've been a questioner of their um, potential all year. And this is the greatest showcase yet.
0: Speaking of possibly the greatest showcase yet, Trenton, on Monday night, how about a 45-6 to 6 thrashing of the Los Angeles Rams authored by the Baltimore Ravens? Lamar Jackson had five touchdowns in this game, uh, weirdly because he only had he only completed 15 passes. so how, how often do you see that? I don't know. Yeah. but uh, but people annoyingly are using the word "sustainable now when describing Lamar Jackson, which I find which I find annoying because I don't view him as a particularly good passer of the football. But what I do view him as is a quarterback who is operating in an offense that is so well-designed around his particular unique skill set that he has become this weird, bizarre combination of Mike Vick and, like, any good pocket passer. <laughs> because he's not super accurate, but they're, they're designing plays in such a way where his skills are being utilized effectively. And then there's the ground game, how they're the best running game in the NFL with Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards and then Lamar Jackson himself it's just an unbelievable attack offensively. And yeah. No no way in my wildest dreams would I have ever seen this coming, and I don't think you did either. No, no not at all. Uh, t- to your point on Jackson not necessarily trusting him
1: as a passer, I'm starting to. Now, the whole thing is that He's not always accurate, but you do see flashes of extreme plus accuracy, and beside that point, he has shown so much growth in his accuracy from year one to year two, and I think throughout year two, he's gotten better as an accurate passer of the football. Uh, He would miss wide open receivers last year. He did constantly, and that's kind of why we criticized him or criticized the Ravens for picking up Marquise Brown in the offseason. We didn't think necessarily that that would be a great fit because uh, he's not a great accurate deep passer uh but what marquise brown has been doing really well for uh for the ravens is getting open and if you give jackson a little bit of cushion certainly he can fit it in there and he's also able to fit it into tight windows at times uh i think that jackson so far has shown and especially lately against against the rams certainly against the patriots i think most of all uh, is a very timely quarterback he he shows up at the big points he shows up on third down and long and he's able to extend plays with his legs he's able to fit into tight windows with his passes he's done a really really good job in keeping possessions alive and just knowing when he needs to make a play that's what's been most impressive to me not necessarily the raw passing stats not necessarily the amazing runs but just how timely he's been
0: do you want to talk about how broken the Rams' offense is, or do you just sort of want to? I mean, they they tried to run do the ball. Do I want to brush it under the eight, rug? Well, kind I mean, of. they they tried to run the ball eight times in this game. I mean, granted, I know they were behind super fast, like before you could blink, you know, it was fourteen to nothing, and then they. But Todd Gurley is is a below average running back at this point, and they are no longer even bothering trying to feature him in this offense to try to take some of the pressure off the defense. I mean, this is a team that was built around this running game, and it's not working anymore, and the offense looks totally broken as a result.
1: Well, I mean, part of it, it's not just Todd Gurley. I mean, Malcolm Brown, he only had one carry, but he had zero yards. Uh, There's talented running backs on this team, but they're not effective, and I think the main reason for that is the aging and ineffective offensive line. I I think it completely starts there for the Rams, and everything else breaks down around it because Goff can't handle pressure, and Gurley doesn't necessarily create by himself. Uh, he's really good once there is a lane. He's good in the, sec- in the second level uh, as a running back. But he's, he's not a guy that has like elite wiggle. He's not a guy that's going to create holes for himself. He's a really, really talented one-cut runner, in my opinion. Uh, so it's just not a good fit for him in this offense this year.
0: Sorry, I'm eating a cookie and I was just going to let you go and I didn't anticipate how long it would take me to finish it.
1: <laughs> hey, you're having probably more fun than me. You're to- I'm talking about the Rams you're eating a cookie. Can we
0: switch? Uh, sure. <laughs> well, no. You can eat a cookie. You can eat a cookie, but uh but uh, I'm not going to talk about the Rams. <laughs> That's enough of that. Uh, real quick before we move off of this. So are we both officially on the Lamar Jackson train? Because I'm, I'm almost there. I'm like, I'm right there. I just want to see, like, give me one more really impressive performance. And I know people are going to be like, <laughs> what is it going to take to get you on the train? I don't know. I just, I, look, we just don't see things like this. Yes. So it's, it's hard to wrap your brain around it at first. And, like, I'm more willing to be skeptical because I've seen flashes in the pan before. But yes. I've never seen a flash in the pan that goes on to win big games in the playoffs, and maybe maybe he does, and maybe I'll be wrong. But uh, I just I can't get that Chargers game out of my head, man. Yeah, I just is, I don't know. I know it's like a year later, but I, I just I don't know.
1: We haven't seen him uh, have success in the postseason, and no matter how good you are as a regular season quarterback, some just don't have success in the postseason. I mean, Philip Rivers kind of stands out as an example. Tony Romo to a lesser extent. Uh, there's Aaron Rodgers, except that one year. There's been a lot of great quarterbacks in this league in the regular season that just haven't had playoff success so i mean obviously what lamar jackson is doing week in and week out has been impressive and he does seem to have the tools and he does seem to have the the ability to succeed against any team in any game but i think we do have to hold out and wait for the playoffs and see if he shows up under the brightest lights against the best teams
0: all right, let's move on and do the gut picks, and then let's get on to our Thanksgiving, uh, you know, festivities. You do anything interesting for the holiday? I'm really not.
1: Uh, no, it's pretty much the same thing as every year. I go over to my step grandparents. I eat a delicious turkey leg. Oh, well, that's uh, which good. Is super exciting, and then obviously a lot of other delicious food: ham, green bean casserole, stuffing, mashed potatoes, macaroni and cheese. You know, it's amazing. It's wonderful, and uh, so spending some time with family and then watching football.
0: I was going to say, is your family, you know, do they watch football on Thanksgiving? And now, my family never really did. Like, they never I, – I went over to my aunt's house one time, and I wanted to put the game on. She's like, why are you putting the football game on? It's time for family. I'm like, are you crazy? It's Thanksgiving. Forget the family. It's time for the football. It's free family football. Yeah. Nice. All right. I like it. Whatever. All right, let's do the Thanksgiving games uh, first for the gut picks, and we'll just go in order here. Uh, Bears at Lions, which by by now – I don't even know if this podcast is going to be up by the time this game starts, but uh, I will go ahead and take the Lions on Thanksgiving. Why not?
1: All right. Give me the Bears.
0: No real reason at all. I nah, just no, I don't no. know. Uh, Bills at Cowboys. Cowboys. I'll take the Bills. Yeah. I'm just feeling the, I'm feeling this Bills team it. right now. I get it. Yeah. Uh, Saints at Falcons.
1: We already uh, spoiled this one. Yeah, Saints. we did. Yeah, Saints. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's easy. Titans at Colts. This is a big, big Sunday game, and I'm really excited to see how this one plays out.
1: It is big. I no other reason than gut Colts.
0: I, too, will take the Colts. <laughs> I like them at home, and I just, I do, I don't know, you know me, I just want the Colts to win, so. <laughs> why, not pick, why not pick like what it. you're rooting for? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, th- that is part of what gut picks are, I think.
0: Sure. 49ers at Ravens. 49ers. It's really tough for me to pick the Ravens because I I feel like I've been doubting and doubting and doubting. I don't know. After I saw what the 49ers did to the pa I don't know.
1: Yeah, I know. It's tough.
0: I'll take the 49ers. I get, like, that's <laughs> what my gut is saying. I, I feel like I'm wrong. Yeah, but I, just...
1: I agree. I, I feel exactly the same way. I know I sounded right. confident, but I'm not.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, you, you usually, like, rattle it off real quick. You're like... You know, Jets at Bengals. I'll take the Jets. And then you're like, but I don't feel good about it or whatever. <laughs> uh, so the next game is Jets at Bengals, and I'm taking the Jets, and I do feel good about I it. Was exact- I was exactly – you stole it out of my mouth. Jets, I feel great about it. <laughs> Sorry, I took I took you a bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, Browns at Steelers, another exciting game.
1: Yeah, this is exciting. Uh,
0: exciting in terms uh, of, like, what it means, not so much what it's uh, going to uh, actually be. Um, uh, Steelers. <laughs> I'll take the Steelers. I mean, this is a this is a revenge game for the ages potentially. Like bring out the body bags. It's happening. <laughs> oh man. Eagles at Dolphins. Eagles. I'm taking the Dolphins. Oh, I don't like that. For real? I don't like that. Yeah, for real, I am.
1: <laughs> wow, okay. I don't like The it, Eagles but. are
0: I mean, if you watch like they are a broken down mess on offense. Like it, here's the here's the thing. Alshon Jeffrey comes back. Nelson Aguilar comes back. They are. Oh, you know what? They are back at practice. Uh,
1: Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when we said the Browns were a completely broken offense? How, who'd they get well against? The I don't know. Dolphins. Think it was Dolphins. Yeah.
0: Well, and also, <laughs> well, and they they played well against the Steelers that one too. Not well, really. they were fine. I mean, you know, they won the game and they they he scored, scored twenty one points. points. Yeah, but that's against a good the historically inept
1: offense that that game.
0: But that's a good Steelers it defense. Is. It is. All right, I'll switch my pick to the Eagles, but I don't feel good about it. <laughs> Eagles fans do travel well to Miami, though, this time of year. Like, I remember the Eagles played the Dolphins a few years ago when it was Chip Kelly, and somehow they lost that game, and it was really strange. It was a weird game. They jumped out to, like, a 19 to nothing lead, and they proceeded to just, like, lose somehow. That sounds that like a, weird a Chip game. Kelly team. Stop. I hate, I hate that. All right. Uh, <laughs> I don't on. feel good about it. taking the Eagles. All right.
1: <laughs> Chip Kelly can't, couldn't adjust to a situation. He played the same game the whole game. And
0: it, hey, man, they run a seacoast offense. <laughs> All right. They they run what they see. All right. Jim All right. Keller. Redskins at Panthers. <laughs> Panthers. I'll take the Panthers. Uh, Packers at Packers. Giants. Packers, indeed. Bucks at Jaguars. This is an interesting one. I like this one.
1: I do like this one, too. Jaguars. Hmm. Hmm. It's time for Nick Foles, mm. man. It's time.
0: <laughs> My gut is saying the Bucks. I gotta take the Bucks. The
1: Bucs are so primed for a collapse. I
0: know, I know they are. <laughs> it's the freaking Bucks. And I know that the Jaguars are like due for a win at this point, because they're probably better than their record, but I don't know. I just I don't know. Yeah. I, I I hate this Jaguars defense right now. And I the Bucks are while they're inconsistent on offense, they're like good enough, I think, to win some games. So I get it. Rams at Cardinals. Cardinals. That's gutsy. It is, but I like it. <laughs> Cardinals coming off the bye. Rams coming off a season-defining potentially loss. Why not? I'll take the Cardinals. All right. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It feels good to pick against the Rams. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> they 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 We're definitely so ruined a lot of Monday nights.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Especially definitely. for every Rams. Well, yeah. Especially this, this last Monday night. It was yeah. super
0: boring. Thanks, Rams. <laughs>
1: I mean, just imagine, like, being Rams and being all hyped up for this game. It's like a, the year anniversary of that super shootout against the Chiefs, and that Ooh. happens. Man.
0: Funny what a year can do. Speaking of which, how about the Raiders at the Chiefs?
1: I got to take the Chiefs. I got to.
0: It's tough not to take them. They're yeah. coming off a bye themselves. The Raiders are coming off. The, this is like the same game as the Rams-Cardinals game, yeah. except the Chiefs are way better than the Cardinals. I'll take the Chiefs. <laughs> Chargers at Broncos. Chargers. Phillip Rivers can't move, dude. I'm taking the Broncos. <laughs>
1: I'm not bothered. Austin Ackler won the game by himself.
0: 3 <laughs> nothing. Final. 2 nothing. How about that? Hey, there
1: you go. Good, ju- good, uh, good stuff. Has there
0: ever been, has there been a final score of 2-0 in the last 80 years, do you think? I don't. I'll look it up.
1: I don't think so. I'll
0: look it up. All right. Pa- Patriots at Texans, the Sunday night game, which we um, had mentioned earlier. And I'm going to take the Houston Texans. For the first time, like, ever on this show, I'm <laughs> taking the Texans in a matchup.
1: I'll take the easy money, Patriots.
0: The Patriots are a broken offense, too. I don't I, don't, I don't like watching winning. it. They've lost one yeah, game but, all year. I don't know. I don't know. I get it, but like, who's who's favored in this game? Do we know that?
1: Probably the Texans.
0: Hold on, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. Uh, the spread—they're fa- favored by three. The Texans are? No, the Patriots. Oh wow. That's like—that's sh- shocking to that's me. Not I would have thought money. if anything would be. <laughs> no, it's not. Hey, you definitely it's take the luck. home dog at that point. I think so too. Yeah. <sighs> So bet the, bet the Texans pick the Patriots is what you're saying? That's my opinion. Okay. And then finally, the Monday night game. Maybe this one won't be as disappointing as recent Monday night games. Vikings at Seahawks. Ooh, I love this game. Yeah. Can't wait. I trust. And I, trust. And I don't have a fish show that night, so I'll be watching this one closely.
1: I trust, drumroll, please, the Seahawks more than the what? Vikings. Yes. Really? Yeah.
0: I do. Wow. Vikings off a of bye? taking the Vikings. I like these teams off the bye. You go for that. And uh, their offense is really good now. And the Seahawks defense is not spectacular.
1: Kirk Cousins hasn't shown up in a big game ever. This is a big game.
0: I mean, that's true. (laughs) This is the game. He's due. (laughs) All right. We can keep saying that. Get sweaty. It's the Delvin Cook show.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Delvin Cook could win this game by himself. That's a good point.
0: All right, Delvin Cook's getting sweatier, and the Vikings are getting sweatiest. Remember that? (laughs) Good throwback, yeah. I think about that a All right. Uh, Yeah, we had a thing in college where we would go work out, and we would then rate our workout by whether we were sweaty, sweatier, or sweatiest (laughs) at the end of the workout. And then we'd go get Taco Bell freezes, and it was awesome.
1: Yeah, that was great.
0: Good times. All right, that's enough of that. College was great. (laughs) College, one of the best times of my life. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, uh, that's it for us. Uh, we have some plugs to get in here. Check out Trenton's website, sportsslants.com, for all the football content your little P-brain can handle. No <laughs> offense. Uh, you can email us at afterreviewpodcast talking at about gmail my dot com. <laughs> well, I'm talking about anyone's P-brain <laughs> who's still listening to this show. And, uh, of course, at afterreviewpod is our Twitter handle if you want to connect with us via Twitter. Again, no show next week. We're very sorry about that because I think that this was like the best show we've ever done. Oh. And uh, I'm going to be sad to see it go.
1: As you mentioned, uh, sending in questions for, uh, for Mailbagger, for whatever it is. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. We did get one from JC, and we are going to bring that to the show. Uh, we have to take a little time to develop our answer. Uh, but we hear you, and we're excited to uh, reveal what that was.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a long form one. That's it's really good off season content, which is great because if we need off season content, like trust <laughs> me, we have plenty of stuff to talk about during the year. But uh, to have off season stuff is very helpful. But if right. you do have questions uh, for you know in season stuff, uh, please you know get that in a message to Trent or I. You can you know message us on Twitter or you know where, wherever if you know us, like just tell us and we'll talk about it on the show. Yep. But uh, but also you can email us too. All right. All right, that's it. That's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, after review, enjoy your Thanksgiving, everybody. After review, podcast stand.